Well, we are in a series here that is all about the greatness of our God. This series called uh, The God of My Today. And we're walking through the book of Daniel, the first half, chapters one through six, and we're just like, open our eyes, God, to who you are right here in our presence right now today. And we're not talking about just a God of eternity, we're talking about a God of today. God's got a plan to work with us, God's got hope that he brings, and we've been celebrating much about who he is, and then how we need to respond to him. That's been our walk through the book of Daniel so, so far. And uh, today we're in part two of a series, or of a sermon, called Guiding, So I Will Listen. And uh, God guides. Did you know that? He is active in our lives. He has something to say. He is giving us direction. God guides. And uh, our job is to listen, and to listen well. How do we do that? How do we go about listening to our king. And uh, so we talked last week about really looking at Proverbs chapter 3 and uh, walking that through. It's amazing how Proverbs 3 verses 5 through 8 gets unfolded in the story of Nebuchadnezzar's life. And uh, so, Lord, may we be real as we walk through and give our whole heart to you. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. That was the first step last week. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Then lean not on your own understanding. We think we know everything, don't we? We're so genius. Like, we have these great insights, and we're like, but it's so this, and, and lean not on your own understanding. Be careful. The way it seems to you may not be the way it really is, and to make sure you're ready to hear from your God. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and we talked about what that meant to make much of your God, to honor him, to set down sin and run after him, not unlike what we just did in this communion time, and uh, going after our king with all of that. And now we're going to continue with the next couple of verses of Proverbs and how it aligns right here into Daniel. And so, Lord, help me listen. Our first step here as we dive into Daniel 4, verse 28, our first point, do not be wise in your own eyes. Never build for your own glory, always build for his glory. Do not be wise in your own eyes. And uh, that's another part in the Proverbs step. Uh, after it's acknowledged him, do not be wise in your own eyes. Do not walk around with a t-shirt that says, I am awesome. Right? And... Uh, do not be wise in your own eyes, ready to make much of our king. All right. So as we dive in here in the story of Nebuchadnezzar, let's make sure we remember where we're at. And so Daniel chapter 4, the first 27 verses, is Nebuchadnezzar wrestling through with who he is before God. And he ended up having a dream. Everybody say, here we go again. Right? This is the second dream. And chapter 2 was one dream, and now chapter 4 is another dream. And this dream startled him and shook him as well. This dream caused a great amount of anxiety and, and frustration and concern. And he wanted it answered, and so he called for the wise men. Here we go again. Go ahead and say it. Same exact story. A dream, the wise men called in. This time, though, they're like, we can't answer. We don't know, and now there's a lot more integrity to their talk with them. We've seen Daniel in charge of the wise men, and they're being able to be managed to a more uh, integrity-based position. And so the king is like, yeah, they couldn't help, so Daniel came in. And Daniel, he was able to give the interpretation. 
And the interpretation in the dream went something like this. The dream was this giant tree that stretches up to heaven. And it stretches across the whole earth, this massive tree. And there's so much food in it that the animals can all live off of it. The birds live in it. Animals are living in the shade of it. There's this huge blessing that comes from this tree. And uh, lots of provision. But then all of a sudden an angel comes down. I love the phrase there. It said a watcher. A holy one. And uh, if you're ever looking for a new term for an angel, uh, what a great phrasing to talk about them as watchers, right? It says that they watch as there is salvation unfolding in our lives and they watch in awe. They're stunned by what God is doing in our uh, broken lives. And uh, they're watchers, they're holy ones celebrating the king. And this angel comes down with an announcement and the angel says, that's it. Cut the limbs off, cut the leaves off, get rid of the fruit, done with this tree, cut it down, but leave the stump, cut everything but the stump, and it's done. Get the animals to go, everything is pushed out, the provision is over. And he, it now switches to a pronoun that starts talking about a man, it says, and he will lose his mind of a man and have a mind of an animal, and he will be driven out. And he will live in the dew of the morning, and he will eat with the animals for seven years. This is the proclamation of this angel in the dream, right? And uh, just so you know, it really wasn't very sophisticated of a, of a dream to interpretation, right? It's not like, what does that represent, and what does it mean? And in the end, it was really pretty clear. Daniel's like, here's what it all means. You're the tree. Your kingdom is provided a ton. And there have been people that have lived in its shade, and there's been a lot of feeding off of, and there's living in, and the kingdom has been great. But you will be given the mind of an animal. You will be driven out. You will live out there with the animals for seven years until, just like the angel said, until, until you recognize who the most high God is, and then you will be brought back. That is why the tree will only be cut down to a stump. It will be able to come back but only after you grasp how great he is. All right, that was up to verse 27 last week. In fact, Daniel closed out verse 27 saying, oh king, please respond to God. Don't make this happen as you stand in rebellion to him. And, and uh, he didn't listen. All right, so we start out verse 28 now. And uh, remember, do not be wise in your own eyes. Watch it unfold here. And uh, it says, all this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar period. Like, just so you know, this was the dream. God said it would happen. And when God says it, he does it. And so it all happened just like he said. All this came upon the whole dream from beginning to end. It says at the end of 12 months, he was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon. And the king answered and said, is not this great Babylon, which I have built by my mighty power, as a royal residence, and for the glory of my majesty. Can you picture that moment? Like you just got this major slap-down dream in the last year that was like, get ready, you're going to be brought to nothing. You're going to be driven out with the animals. You're going to lose your nut. You're going to lose your mind, man. You're not even going to be thinking right. You're going to be eating with the animals for seven years. That's what's going to happen if you don't get this thing clear. And he's like, oh, yeah? We'll see. And now he starts wandering around for 12 months in his arrogance. 
And he one day stands over his kingdom and he's like, am I not awesome? Look at all that I have built. And uh, can you imagine standing next to him? I, I can't even imagine standing there when he pronounces, look at all that I have done. I, I know if we remember it all the last 12 months, we'd be like, right? Step a little bit away from that, man. That's going to get you in trouble. And he says, uh, which I have built with my mighty power as a royal residence and for the glory of my majesty. My, 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 I, I, I. Uh, if those are really powerful words in your vocabulary, be careful. Watch out. First indicator that you're wrestling with pride is you love to say I and my and me. It always comes back to you. You and your thoughts and how you want to see it go down and you, you, you. And be careful with that. The I and my can be the tip-off you need to begin to get a heart change, all right? It says, while the words were still in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven. Now remember the dream. There was an angel that pronounced something. Check it out. There fell a voice from heaven. O king, Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken. The kingdom has departed from you, and you shall be driven from among men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. You shall be made to eat grass like an ox, and seven periods of time shall pass over you until, until you know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will. Remember, he had a dream. He was told exactly what would happen. He was told he would be told this by an angel. He basically doubts on it. It goes about a year, and all of a sudden, the dream unfolds exactly in front of him, 100%. The angel comes down, says the same statements, tells him exactly what's going on. Dude, you are in huge trouble, and uh, your mind is going to be turned, and you will be having the mind of an animal. You will be driven out and eat among the ox, and... Uh, Man, it's not going to go well for you until, until you recognize that the most high rules. Now, wouldn't a genius mind go, all right, I'll recognize it right now, right? Like, get ahead on that thing, man. Figure it out. And uh, next verse, immediately the word was fulfilled against Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven from among men and ate grass like an ox, and his body was wet with the dew of heaven till his hair grew. Um, every time I read this, I get the willies, all right? Until his hair grew as long as eagle's feathers and his nails were like bird's claws. And um, until his hair grew as long as eagle's feathers. Basically, it means like, picture like, ladies, picture you've got long hair and you never brush it again. And it just gets all gnarly and twisted. And then you also never wash it again. And so now it starts sticking up in weird ways, right? And then you get like the most nasty bed head you've ever gotten in your life. And you have no way to fix this thing. And it's just like jutting out all over the place. And the hair is getting long and crazy and stiff and hard. It's like eagle's feathers. And uh, he ain't looking pretty, man. And uh, nails like bird's claws. They just keep on growing and growing. What's going on? At some level, he has lost his mind. He is not caring for himself in any way. 
He is out in the wilderness and incapable of even seeing or knowing or understanding what's going on with how bad he's looking. And uh, it spiraled out of control. And uh, did the dream come true? Now, let me ask that one more time with a little bigger answer. Did the dream come true? And yes. Hear me now. When God makes a promise, God comes through on it. And we must know and understand and trust in our God and all that he's doing. And in this case, he's like, I'm telling you, I've got a plan and I'm going to walk this thing through. And he walks through top to bottom, basically saying, until you make much of my name and understand who I am. As he stood in front of his kingdom and said, look at all that I have done. He should have been standing in front of him and saying, look at what the most high God has entrusted to me. I am humbled before him. And I made much of his king in his presence. And uh, man, it is absolutely essential that we grasp how important it is to make much of our God. And uh, you know, this past week was... uh, a huge week, right? I mean, the Chicago Cubs end up taking the World Series, first time in 108 years, right? Yeah. And a uh, few of you are already representing by wearing some Cubs paraphernalia. And for the Cardinals fans, we love you guys. And you've already had like eight more than the Cubs have had. Relax. All right? And uh, we love you too. And uh, man, I'm telling you, God has a plan in the midst of certain things. And you never know which way things are going to go. And all of a sudden, Ben Zobrist ends up MVP who is a believer, amen, who follows after Christ, who does make that clear and in various ways has been coming out more and more with those statements. And man, you got to love that when he stands up at the parade for the Cubs and he ends up saying, I'm blessed beyond all that I should have ever been blessed with. And I just thank my God for all that he's done. And Ben Zobris making just a little bit of a statement about his God. Here's my question for you. Are you able to make a little bit of a statement about your God in your life? And uh, here's another illustration. Samuel Morris, you know, like Morris code. And uh, Samuel Morris, he was the inventor of the telegraph and the inventor of the Morse code. And uh, he was asked, how did you invent this thing? You must have been stuck a number of times. And how did that work? And what went on? And his answer was, this this was real. It got written down in a newspaper. This was his answer. I knelt and I prayed for the light of God to be revealed to me. He knows all. I don't. And so I prayed. In fact, I prayed this. Lord, please reveal to me what you know, not what I know. He said, I have made a valuable application of electricity, not because I was superior to other men, but solely because God, who meant it for mankind, must reveal it to someone, and he was pleased to reveal it to me, and I'm humbled. Samuel Morris. Man, be careful of your kingdom, and let it make make you think too much of you. You know what I mean? Where we start looking over what we're a part of, and we're like, do you see what I have? Oh, my word. Be so careful. That is Nebuchadnezzar's plan. As he stood over his kingdom and he's like, look at all that I have done. And the answer is, no, man. Look at all that God has entrusted to you. Be careful and be humble. Man, God's got a plan in each of our lives. And so here's my question. What has God called you to? 
What is it? What does it look like? Now, how can you go about making much of your God in the midst of that place? The Almighty, Most High God, and what He's entrusted to you. This is my Lord Jesus Christ. I trust in Him, and I lean on Him. And he happens to be blessing in this way right now. Sometimes he chooses to walk us through pain and heartache rather than blessing. I'll walk through that too. Right? Man, come up with your sentence. Come up with your two sentences. Have an answer for the greatness of your God. And, uh, and then lean on him and come to him regularly. Lord, whatever you give, whatever you entrust, may you be made much of. And... Uh, if somebody were to ask you, for you to be able to say, I love where I'm at, I love being able to serve in the way I can, God has entrusted this, and whenever he chooses to take it, that's his choice. I'm serving my king. It's all about his glory, not mine. I'm telling you, man, get that sentence down. Get ready. And uh, God does tend to lift up those who will make much of his name. And uh, do be ready to make much of him, not so you get. Everybody hear me on that? Not so you can get, but so that he can get proper glory given to our God. And all of God's people said, hey, simple question, what are you building? Are you building your kingdom or Christ's kingdom? Are you about your fame or his fame? Make much of your God, all right? First point, do not be wise in your own eyes. And second, Fear the Lord and shun evil. Fear the Lord and shun evil. Praise the God of heaven and see his ways are right. Fear the Lord and shun evil. Praise the God of heaven and see that his ways are right. Notice it says here, at the end of the days. The end of what days? It's the end of the seven years, right? It's the end of the years where he was told, hey, you're going to be out in the wilderness. You're going to be like an animal. You're going to be eating what the animals will eat. You'll have the mind of an animal at the end of those days. Well, we were also told what would come at the end of those days. He said, until you recognize that the most high God is in charge. He's like, at the end of those days, in other words, when I got it, when I finally understood that God Almighty is in charge of this universe and it is not me. That's when God moved. At the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven. And uh, everybody just check out the worship going on now. Lifted my eyes to heaven and my reason returned to me and I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever. Are you hearing it? Before he was like, all right, that's it. Everybody praise and honor Daniel's God. Are you hearing it? He's like, I'm trying to honor him. And I mean, it isn't really me honoring him. I'm not going to praise and honor him, but you guys all honor his God. It's still his God, Daniel's God. That was chapters one, two, three, and early four. Daniel's God. All of a sudden at the end of four, seven years after being humbled, seven years after the dream that he was given coming true and him living out every little detail of it, God revealing to him exactly his greatness and his authority. And Nebuchadnezzar goes, 
I got it. He's in charge of this universe, and I'm under him. And uh, he says, at the end of those days, I lifted my eyes to heaven. Have you ever been in one of those moments? So devastated, so hurt, so lost, so forlorn, so I have nothing that's great going on in my life. God, I so need you. And he's looking up to heaven and he's crying out to the King of kings and Lord of lords. He is reaching out to the one who is above all others, to the most high God. As he lifts his eyes to heaven and he praises him with all he's got. He said, I blessed the most high and I praised and honored him who lives forever. Who lives how long? Did you know that? God lives forever. From eternity past to eternity future, there is no beginning and no end with our God. He is the source of all. Are you living your life where God is the source of all? And he's in charge of your life. The most high God. Listen to this praise. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion and his kingdom endures from generation to generation. Everlasting, ongoing, eternal. God is eternal in all that he is. It says, all the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing. That's a great sentence to preach through. And then, just so you realize, we are nothing. Right? Like There is no value in us compared to God. And uh, wow, those are harsh words. And uh, God does value human life. But be careful, man. The moment we start lifting ourselves up and saying the whole world should revolve around us, we've missed it. And we're making it all about me and not about my Savior and not about the King who has spoken this place into existence, who sustains it by his presence, God Almighty, Jesus Christ. Man, he is eternal. And uh, we are nothing in comparison to him. It says, he does according to his will. Uh, He is sovereign. He is in charge of all. God rules this universe. And, uh, And among the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, none can stay his hand. Man, I'm telling you, no one is more powerful than God Almighty. And all of God's people said, Now hear me, no one is more powerful than God Almighty. Do you know that God? Are you leaning on that king? Man, just allow him even to be stirring right now in this room, pressing in. Do you need to hear from him? The almighty God of the universe who is eternal, all-powerful, in charge. Are you ready to sit? under and let God lead and uh, no one can stay his hand or say to him what have you done and uh, have you ever had that said to you like when you were a little kid maybe you're even in junior high or high school you remember the phrase being said what have you done right it's like talking to a child and how often do we end up turning and trying to talk to God what have you done Like somehow we know better and we're putting him in his place. May we be so careful. We understand but a little of this world and all that God is accomplishing. 
And to no one can say, what have you done? He says, at the same time, my reason, Nebuchadnezzar saying, my reason returned to me. Remember the dream. This is exactly what would happen. When you praise me, your reason will return. My reason returned to me, and for the glory of my kingdom, my majesty and splendor, it returned to me. What? First time I read this, I was like, I don't get it. Shouldn't it say, and for your glory and your majesty, this was returned to me? Why doesn't it say that? And I'm just telling you this. When you have someone who is ready to praise God Almighty and say, this kingdom was given by God, then he tends to entrust to them some things and hands it over. And now as people are looking at him going, your kingdom is awesome. And he's like, it ain't me, man. You should see the God who gave this to me. And now he has testimony to the greatness of God. And this is a huge moment as testimony is being built back up. And uh, they're coming to him and saying, wow, you got your act together and things are coming back together. And he's like, yeah, but let me tell you, the God that I have met and how he is restored. And uh, it says, my counselors and my lords, they sought me and I was established in my kingdom and still more greatness was added to me. And everybody just say, God is good. In the middle of his rebellion, he was brought to his knees. And now God is standing him back up. And that's God's love. That's God's mercy. Is man, we need to come face to face with our sin and be done with it. And God stands us up in his presence. From the work he has done on the cross, from the healing he provides, we have hope. And... uh, so that he added to his kingdom. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven, for all his works are right and his ways are just. All his works are right and his ways are just. Do you believe that? That everything God does is right and just. He lives eternally. He rules over He's driving down on and God has a plan. He is sovereign in this world. Do you know the king? He says, for all his works are right and his ways are just and those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. Those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. Man, take a deep breath. Do not stand defiant before God Almighty. And if there's one thing we could take away from this passage, it is this. We need to hear from our king and turn to him as the most high God. And all of God's people said, and we need to recognize and grasp that he's in charge. And uh, hear me, man, Jesus Christ, he is king of kings and Lord of lords. He is God almighty. He loves you. And he came and died for you. He has a plan for you. Man, God's got a plan. He's ruling in this world. He speaks and it is. His presence maintains. Hear me. He loves you. And he's calling you to a simple understanding that he is most high. Are you willing to see that he is most high? high God. He's in charge. 
And maybe you came into this room today and you're like, I'm not even sure why I'm coming other than the alarm went off and it was easy to get up today because of, you know, time change and all. And uh, welcome. It's good to have you. And maybe you're like, I'm not sure God's been pressing in and it's time. Something needs to happen. And man, right here and right now, here's my request. Let's get real before Jesus Christ and make him number one. Let's make sure he's in charge. And what does saved even look like? Man, we got a great model of it even from Nebuchadnezzar here. What does saved look like? We say it this way around here at Harvest. It's not easy, but it's as simple as A, B, C. All right? A, B, C, A. Admit. Admit that you are a sinner in need of a Savior. Every human being is, Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. What did Nebuchadnezzar say? We are worthless before you. Admit, small me, huge God. Admit that you're a sinner in need of a Savior. Admit that you're not perfect. That one should be fairly easy, right? And uh, admit, here's some things I'm failing in, some stuff I'm not getting right, I'm standing against my God. Admit it. B, believe. Believe that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. He is God Almighty and he is risen from the dead. There is life in him. There is hope in him. There is power in him. There is healing in him. He is alive. He is risen from the dead. Believe. and uh, Admit that you're a sinner and believe that Jesus Christ is risen. Hear me though. That's not saved. Everybody hear that? Admitting and believing is not saved. Romans 10, 9, and 10 is super clear. It says, believe that he is risen from the dead and confess him as Lord. Then you are saved. It is taking that third step, see the confession and saying, God, take over in my life. Lord, you are my God, most high God. You're in charge. Lord Jesus, forgive me. What do you want done in my life? As Nebuchadnezzar so realized, it's one thing to say that's their God. It's another thing to show up at a place where that God is being worshipped in some level and you're hanging around it. He was doing that with Daniel for years. But in the end, saved is when he says, this is my God. I worship him. He is glorious. And there is no one like him. That's my king. Now that's saved, man. Trusting in Jesus Christ, admitting you're not perfect, believing that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead and confessing him as your Lord in charge in your life, you've got me. What do you want done in my life, God? How can I make much of your name? That's saved. So let's just do this. Let's just take a moment right here and let's just bow our heads and close our eyes. And let's just figure out where we're at before our God. And just right now where you are. And are you ready to trust in the Savior? And, uh, maybe you're here this morning and you already trust in Jesus Christ. Great. Maybe you need to hand something to him and say, Lord, I'm done with this and fighting this. I'm going to hand it back to you. Maybe you just need to be praying in this room right now that God would work. Just pray then. If you are saved and you're trusting Christ already, pray that God would work, all right? And 
you don't trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you're not believing in Him, here's my request. And right here, right now, will you say, this is it, I'm done. I'm no longer fighting. You are God of the universe and I'm in. I admit I'm not perfect and I need a Savior. I believe Jesus, you are risen from the dead. You are in charge. And I confess you as Lord of my life. And just right where you are, if you're ready to commit to your Savior, and just let him know that. Maybe you're like, I don't even know what to say. Let me just say some words here and you can repeat after me. There's no magic to the words we're saying. Anything just to let God know he's in charge in your life. You get it. And Lord Jesus, I know you've died on the cross and risen for me. Take over. Whatever you say is fine. But here's some words. If you want to pray to your God right now to be saved, to let him know, just pray this right where you are. Dear Heavenly Father, just pray privately right where you are. Dear Heavenly Father, I get it. I admit I am not perfect. And in your presence, I am worthless. I need you. I admit I need a Savior. I believe. I believe, Lord Jesus, that you have died and that you have risen again and there is life in your name. I believe you are alive, Jesus. Just let them know in a prayer right now where you're at. I believe you're alive, Lord Jesus. And now the last step of commitment. I confess you as my God. You're in charge. Lord, take over. I hand you my life. In the saving name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Just keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed right where you are. Man, if you prayed that prayer, I would love to be able to pray with you. We may have somebody in here who's decided today's it. I'm giving my life to Christ. If you did pray that prayer, if you did commit to Christ now, just let me know and raise your hand. And I want to pray for you, okay? Just go ahead and raise your hand if you did. I want to pray for you. Yeah. Amen. I see that. I don't want to move on if you're committing right now, if you're like, I'm in and I'm just afraid to do this thing and I don't know what to do and I'm, man, just let God know right where you are right now. I'm ready, Lord. I'm not fighting. I'm handing this to you. Yeah. Heavenly Father, in this room right now, there are so many where we're committing our lives to following after you and we're longing to make much of you. Lord Jesus, we don't even know what that means and for some of us, what needs to go, just make it clear. We love you. We praise you. 
Lord, I just pray for those that are committing their life to Christ here. May you move in their hearts. Lord, I pray for those who are recommitting and getting fired up. May you move in their hearts. Lord, we long for you to be made much of. We thank you for who you are. Lord, we trust you. You are our life. You are our hope. You are our victory. Lord, it is in you that we trust. And it is in you that we come for salvation. Lord, we have committed our lives to you knowing that you save us for eternity. What you promise you make good on. And we now lean on you. You are the risen Savior and the most glorious King. And it is in your mighty, saving name we pray these things. And all of God's people said...